Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. You know, when I think about the oath that we take as soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that we take that obligation freely without any purpose of evasion, mental reservation, so help me God. I recall when I was still finishing up my contractor tour in Afghanistan, Kandahar, Afghanistan, where I was working to train, mentor, advise the 205th Corps of the Afghan National Army. I had uh, started that position in the summer of 2005, but it was coming towards an end there in November, December of 2007. And the reason why it was coming to an end was because so many people had asked me and it was laid upon my heart to, to run for Congress down in South Florida, 22nd Congressional District. That district was held by a Republican, E. Clay Shaw, and it had been lost in the 2006, I'd say, political meltdown, everything that was about the Iraq War and what have you. And so people came to me because it was a swing district, an R plus one, maybe just straight even, and they really felt that there was an opportunity to win it back. And so... In my last six months there in Afghanistan on that tour, first and foremost, you had to make sure you stayed alive and came back home to your wife and daughters. But I just wanted to read and study up and, and soak in all the knowledge that I could on the critical issues facing the United States of America, being a national security issue, foreign policy issues, economic issues. Of course, we knew that we were facing this thing called the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, which ended up being quite oxymoronic in its title. It did not protect patients, and it was not affordable. And so when I got back to the United States of America, and like I said, in late November, early December of 2007, I started laying things out and, you know, thinking about the, the critical things that I need to do because, you know, Florida had a late primary, which is a good thing, and then we move on from there. It ended up I did not have to worry about a primary. I was the Republican nominee. And so I went up to Washington, D.C. to speak with the people there for the National Republican Congressional uh, Conference these were the folks that were responsible for helping Republican candidates out there win House seats. And so I went up there all, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, if you want to call it. And, you know, here's a guy, you know, 22 years, retired from the United States Army, just got back from two and a half years as a civilian advisor and mentor to the Afghan Army. And now I wanted to continue 
my service to the United States of America and running for Congress. And as I sat down with uh, one of the executive directors or whoever for the NRCC, National Republican Congressional Committee, the very first thing he asked me was, how much money are you going to front in your campaign? Okay. I served 22 years in the United States military. I'm not a trust fund baby. I didn't come from a, a rich family. I came from a family who also served in the military. Dad, World War II, dad, older brother in Vietnam. I just got back from two and a half years in Afghanistan, working to train their army so that maybe we could extricate more of our troops out and turn the mission over to them, especially down in southern Afghanistan, the hotbed of the Taliban. And the question was still, how much money are you going to put forward yourself? It wasn't about, wow, you know, thank you for wanting to continue your service. I think this is a district that will be critical for us to, to win again, especially in a 2008 cycle, which ended up having Barack Obama run for president. Nope, none of that. So basically, we were told thank you for your interest, but there was no support coming. So in that short period of about you know, February, March to November of 2008, we scrubbed together, raised $583,000, took on an incumbent who had been in the state house of Florida, state senators of Florida, very far left Democrat. He had some three to four million in his war chest. But boy, I got to tell you, we had one debate. And we smoked it. We smoked it so bad that we could hear him yelling at his staff in the back about why didn't you tell me that this guy understood these issues. And so we were encouraged. And it ended up that even in the 2008 Obama wave election cycle, if you want to call it that, we garnered 45.3%. Never been in politics just gotten back from a combat zone, but yet we had name recognition and we got out and we worked hard in Florida's Congressional District 22, which went along the southeastern coast of Florida from Broward County up to Palm Beach County. And people encouraged me to come back and run again in 2010. And as you know, in 2010, that was that incredible wave where Barack Obama in his first Midterm election cycle lost 63 congressional seats. I think that was the largest turnover since the World War II time period. And I was fortunate to be one of those. And we ended up flipping it, and we won with a little over 54% of the vote. And the difference also was that we went from just being a guy that had 583,000 to a guy that had 8 million. We had become the top fundraising challenger candidate in that election cycle because we just talked about the issues, talked about our principles and values, talked about the Constitution and the oath to support and defend it. But upon getting up to Washington, D.C., I made a promise not just to myself but all those other veterans who will come after me. 
that we would create an organization, a leadership pack called the Guardian Fund because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines are the guardians of the Republic. As a matter of fact, when I came out of Congress, that was the title of the book that I wrote. But I want to make sure that what we saw or what happened with me did not happen to any other young man and young woman who wanted to run and they were a military or minority conservative. And the Guardian Fund is now celebrating its 10th anniversary, 10 years of the Guardian Fund being out there as a leadership pack. An incredible amount of former military and minority conservatives that have been elected to the United States House of Representatives and Senate. And that's what we are going to discuss tonight is that we find more and more members of the United States military who are stepping up, former members who are stepping up to run for elected office. And I'm not just talking about at the federal government level. I'm talking about the state level at local level. You know what I always say, the most important election in the United States of America school board, because we need those men and women and city councils, state house, being at the state house or state senate, but state legislatures. We need those men and women in gubernatorial seats. We need those men and women all across the entire spectrum. Men and women who have been willing to make the last full measure of devotion for this great nation. Because I remember back 50 years ago or so, and I kind of looked up and read some of this, the number of men and women who were serving up there on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., who had served in the United States military as well, was over 70%. Today, that number is about 18, 19%. If you don't think that that has a big difference in the direction that we see our federal government going. So one of the things that really did chap my shorts a little bit was that in the military, you don't go home until the mission is accomplished, the mission is complete. And you understand what the mission is. You understand what your task and purpose is, your what and your why. I don't see that being the case now. I see these problems continue to perpetuate itself. And this is a bipartisan thing. And I see people more so aligned with their own self-interests or special interests or political interests than the interests of the people that they supposedly are called to serve. And let me stress that. Just like it says in the Gospel of Mark that the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served, it, it seems that people have that kind of backwards right now in elected offices. And so we need to seek out more men and women quality men and women, because one of the things that I saw was that even the Democrats tried to go out and recruit military members to tow their party line. Seth Moulton up in uh, Massachusetts was a big proponent of this. But we want to get people that understand their oath to the Constitution, not an oath to a political party or an ideology that is antithetical to the longest-running constitutional republic that the world has ever known. Because if we don't, then I think that we have to be concerned about the future. I mean, when someone is just a, excuse the reference, but 
a bartender from the Bronx who has, a, I guess, a degree in economics but does not understand economics, free market, economic systems, and pushes the Green New Deal. And oh, by the way, if you had not been paying attention, the economy in Sri Lanka just collapsed because of Green New Deal globalist agendas. We don't want to see that happen here in the United States of America. But yet, we're already seeing high commodity prices, high energy prices heading down that same path. But men and women who have traveled the globe, who have been staring enemies in the eye, they're not afraid to stand up and say and do what needs to be done. To stand up and say, you know, we don't need to have PowerPoint presentations about proper pronouns in the United States military. We don't need to be expelling people out of the United States military because they refuse to go along with an immoral, unethical, unlawful order mandate to have a certain thing injected into their bodies, an experimental drug. That's what we're looking for. That's what the Guardian Fund has always sought after. You know, I got asked a pretty interesting question just recently, and that question was, hey, Colonel, do you think that there should be a constitutional amendment that says that the president of the United States of America should have previously served in the military? At one point in time, the United States of America, if you have not served in the military, been willing to lay down your life for this country, people didn't take you too seriously running for president. And the most important title of the president of the United States of America is commander in chief. I would tend to believe that if we did have a president that had been in the military, maybe he had even served in Afghanistan, he would not have turned Afghanistan back over to the Taliban because maybe that president had been on the ground and fought against that enemy and seeing how savage and brutal they were. Maybe if you had a president that had served in the military, he would not put our men and women in harm's way in an untenable position, securing an airfield in the middle of a major urban population center when you already had an air base that was in a remote location. As a matter of fact, two air bases, Kandahar, and then also up in Bagram. Maybe if we had a commander-in-chief that had served in the military, they would not look down at their watch doing a casket ceremony when the bodies of 13 Marines, a sailor and a soldier, were being brought home, home on their final trip. So maybe we do. But the thing is that that's up to you all as the voters. If you continue to lower your standards so badly, then this is the government. This is the type of representation that we deserve. Let's start going out there and looking for these young men and women. Such as tonight, we've got United States Navy Captain Bill Irwin. We've got Joe Collins former member of the United States Navy. Why do we got all these Navy guys tonight? I don't know. We got some Army guys. Ed Thielander, United States Navy. 
And we're going to close out with General Don Bolduc, retired general of the United States Army. These are the type of people we need to start looking for in our communities, in our churches, all across this country. Men and women who understand words like faithful and true, steadfast and loyal, diopresso liber, but most importantly, men and women who raised their right hand on one day, as I did on 31 July 1982, and said that they would support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here. And as you know, we have gotten with David Stortz out of Wichita, Kansas, and we have designed and made this incredible Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk, where we are asking you to nominate pastors out there from all across the United States of America that you think embody the spirit of the Black Robe Regiment from the Revolutionary War. You can send your nominations to tomahawk at abwshow.com again that's tomahawk at abwshow.com because we're going to make this a very special thing only two per month we've already issued out our first uh, recipients for the month of july uh pastor dana coverstone of kentucky pastor uh chris mccray my pastor sojourn church and then Pastor Doug Giles of Driftwood, Texas. And they were very excited to receive their tomahawks. And we're going to continue to do this. And as you can see again, Black Robe Regiment, 2 Timothy 4, 2-5, the Lion of Judah is engraved in there. David Storch did an incredible job. Then you have the Reverend Revolutionary War Era with his Bible. And there you see your pastor's name will go. So please, tomahawk at abwshow.com to send in your nominations two per month. And we're looking for those nominations for August. God bless you all, Steadfast and Loyal. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Again, if you like this podcast, please share it with others and hit that like button because the whole purpose here is to better inform, better educate, and better activate you. God bless you all. Thanks to our staff here at the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast, executive producer Lisa, producer Chad, and all the others, and especially CW3, Ryan Weaver, United States Army Aviation, and his family for their service to this great nation. God bless you all, and good night. Before they burn it down.